Grab yourself a beer, strap yourself in, and get ready because you're listening to the Clock and Talk on Arsenal Podcast. chaps and i have exactly that this week for you a couple of lovely chaps tony how are you mate yeah good thanks that's the way buddy and sam you're back again mate how are you uh quite lovely thank you no worries and you wouldn't believe it i've dug up a schwinn and people are wondering what a schwinn is but here he is how are you buddy very good that's what a schwinn sounds like <laughs> Welcome back, mate. It's been um, been a little while. Yeah, been a while. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, I haven't had a chance to say that, so to you boys and to all our listeners. Happy New Year to you, mate, too. Um, okay, let's get into it, Tony, because we do have four on the show. We've got questions to get through. We've got a Crystal Palace game to cover. Um, thoughts on that lineup when it first came out, Tony? Exactly what I would have picked. Um Everyone knows I'm not Lacazette's biggest fan and I've advocated starting Martinelli ahead of him. But given Martinelli had only played like 20 minutes or whatever it is, um, obviously it was an an away game that would have been huge to win if we did. Uh, I can't criticise the lineup at all. And I've said so at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely our strongest lineup for me. So the only one, obviously, few people like Bellerin's out injured, but being the strongest lineup, whether you're Bellerin, Maitland, Niles, but you know, it's, yeah. Or Tierney, Kolesinac, but other than that, that's the strongest lineup yeah, I mean, we had available. With what's available, as I said, I, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have picked any different. I would have picked exactly them players. Yeah, yeah. Sam, you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, I would <laughs> at the beginning of the game. I wrote the exact lineup I would have picked. <laughs> um, I was surprised to not see Sabios on the bench. Um, I was kind of hoping he'd be there as an option, but um, but yeah. Exactly what I would have went with. Yep, yep. And Schwinn, you same mind with you? Yeah, strongest lineup. I'm not again um, to Sam's point. I'm not quite sure what's going on with Sabios. I know he's coming back from a long-term injury, but I think I saw a goal correspondent or someone who covers the Arsenal mention that he is back, fully training. Uh, there's nothing. There's no issue with his fitness. He was just not involved in the day. So maybe it is just you know recovery uh, to an extent. But um, maybe he'll feature against Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Let's see. Uh, it was Charles. It was Charles Watson who did that. There you go. Okay. Um, right. Let's get into this game. So, look, I thought we'd come out pretty strong. There you go, Snow. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Um, <laughs> Abemiang, he he obviously got that early goal, Tony, twelfth minute, and I thought, hey, lo, you beauty, we've turned up today. Yeah, we started so fast. Like I can't remember the last time we done that. We looked really good uh, defensively. We wasn't troubled. We was moving the ball quickly. We was probing, and you looked at it and thought, like, "We're actually a really good team." Where's this come from? And obviously, got the goal. Really good goal. Really well worked. 
uh, what we've been used to seeing with Aubameyang tucking in off the wing, Lacazette dropping a bit shorter and, and him and Ozil almost being like two number 10s. And then Kolasinac can push up down the left, which gives them trouble defensively and it, and it worked perfectly for the goal, putting through a great finish and, and a really, really good start. Yeah, um, Sam. Look, I won't. I won't hype too much on that goal. But obviously, we're up. We're up one nil, and you know, every fan would have been going, "Oh, you fucking beauty! We've turned up." Uh, did you think we fell off after that goal, though? In or you know, the first half, I thought. Or do you think that we we continued, but just didn't have the the, the finishing? Yeah, um, and they were giving Louis just you know, as much time as he wanted, basically. Um, and he, he kept playing those over-the-top balls to the corners, and they were pretty much giving it to us every time. Um, but whenever, I think it was whenever there was a little scrap, and then they expected Torreira to give the ball back, and then Torreira <laughs> played it back. And immediately I felt like the tempo changed 100%. Um, yeah. But I think up until that point, we pretty much, they were letting us do anything we wanted, and... It's a shame we didn't do more with that. Yeah, well, I, I, I think we dominated the first half. Um, but, you know, the second half was obviously a bit different game. Um, Schwinn, I was going to touch on Pepe. There was a yellow card in the 44th minute. Look, uh, thoughts on Pepe. I, I thought he was glimpses of brilliance, but just that, you know, there was one one point there where I thought he held onto the ball a little bit too long, didn't let go. Um, your thoughts on him throughout the game? I mean, as Tony said, the first quarter of the game was pretty much all all one-way traffic, and Pepe was, you know, combining well, seeming to get into the game. But to your point, as I think he sort of dropped off a little bit, and as is everyone else, to be fair, he turned Gary Cahill beautifully once, but I think he his touch was a bit too heavy, and the ball ran away from him a little bit, and, and he showed signs of wriggling away from you know tight situations really well. But we never really got him running uh, on players. You know, that's when he's at his best, when he's taking players on and there's space in behind maybe a little bit to to run into. And that just didn't come in the first half. You know, and Palace were sitting pretty deep. As Sam mentioned, uh, Torreira uh, and Luis uh, out back had quite a bit of time, but that's not the same sort of time that some of our other players had up the pitch. And Pepe, I think, struggled because of that. Never quite got into the game. Tried to. But as the game went on, uh, Palace, you know, built up a head of steam. And at that point, I think we were struggling. You know, we didn't really make too many chances despite starting very, very quick and coming flying out of the wings. And th- that's something that worried me a little bit. And you just never know how things are going to go at Selhurst Park. You could have probably said that they're going to get a penalty at some point. That tends to happen. But mm-hmm. no Milovic, no penalty. Yeah, yeah. Tony, we're going to the Sheds mate half time. Arteta, look, he said in his press conference that we knew they were going to come out, um, you know, uh, with more men playing forward. Um, then they got a goal. I'm just trying to look. It was just after half time, wasn't it? Um, About 55, I think. Fifty, yeah, fifty something odd minute. Yeah, um, <laughs> talk us through that one, and and you know that first the first top of 10 20 minutes out in the second half yeah I mean obviously Lacazette foul on the halfway line nothing I mean it is a foul but one of them no problem with it we've kind of switched off and let them play play it wide 
I haven't seen enough. There's a there's a still image going around that shows the guy was offside or at least very close, and it wasn't looked at. It'd be interesting to see more on that. Um, I know a few people at the time thought offside, but then it just went on for so long that, that no one bothered to question it. A uh, bit of pinball should do better. And then very unlucky. I mean, the ball, I think, deflects off Louis twice. I think it hits one leg in and into the other and loops over Leno. Nothing really anyone could do. And it was the only chance we really gave them. Which, well, I didn't give them, but it was annoying. And we've looked so much more solid in the last few weeks. And and you think, like, just when you're looking solid, you need the, the bit of luck to go your way. And you're probably not going to concede. And, and it just hasn't gone our way in that in that instance. But I would love to see the... I don't know if they showed it on TV. I don't think they did, judging by people I spoke to. But I'd love to see if I think it was Max Meyer was offside. And and even if he wasn't, why it wasn't scrutinised like we usually see with VAR, where it's a 25-minute replay with lines drawn all over the pitch by someone 50, 50 miles away. I um, Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's just one of them things, you know. It's very unlucky, but... You know, we we turned off. Let's face it, our defence does turn off at times, and we did, and and that you know that level of the goal. But but look, I'm going to go into VAR now because well, I'm just trying to look at that much more. There's other talking points that we will touch on after it. But um, Sam, I'll start with you, mate. Obviously, Abemiang, he got the red card. Uh, it was overturned by VAR. Um, you want to talk us through that one, buddy? Other way around. Oh, he got a yellow. He got a yellow overturned by VAR. Yeah, so I mean, Myers going down the line and up it goes and misses the ball. And whenever it happened, I knew, I mean, I, I was like, that's definitely a yellow for sure as soon as it happened. But I wasn't thinking red. Um, this, whenever they slowed it down and, you know, they show the replay over and over, um, I'm not sure if it's just the way his foot bent. <laughs> but I think it may have looked worse than it actually was. Um, but so they look at it, you know, it's right above his foot, right on his ankle. I mean, it was pretty bad. Um, mm. I think in most situations that is a red, but um, I do just want to say that it's just ironic that these don't get looked at for us when it happens to us. Like Pepe has been wrecked you know, at almost every game he's played, but they don't slow that down. They just kind of give him a card and walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the slow-mo <laughs> so, view always gives you gives you a different different perspective of it, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think we're a little unfortunate, but, I mean, I do I do think it's probably a red. Okay, Schwinn, give us your thoughts on it, Mike. I agree. I think it's a – I agree maybe a bit more aggressively. I think it is red. I mean, the way he goes in over the top – uh, I, I should confess, I, I, it didn't seem like it in real time, but uh, on a replay, and look, slow motion does make everything look a bit more harsh than it is, but even in real speed, you know, when you go in like that, it, it just, you're almost asking for it these days with VAR. And yes, I do agree, some come your way, some don't, but all you really had to do was see Alba's reaction. You know, he, so I think he sort of knew that it was a bit, bit rash. Walked away from the situation a little bit, um, you know, trying to hide from the referee. And to me, that was a sign as well. Yeah, he yeah. knew he had gone in. Tony, your thoughts on it all, mate? Yeah, before I start, has one of you got a chicken next to you or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be my, <laughs> ch- my chooks. They're laying egg, mate. They're pretty proud of their egg laying. So I, I give them a little clap when I mute my mic and 
they just dance and dance up and down the chook pan and say, look, Dad, I laid her egg. So, yeah, that's mine. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird. Uh, I don't think it's a red card. I really don't think it's a red uh, card. It has to be one. Has to be one. Okay, go on. Give me your... Just for anyone listening, we discussed this before we started recording, so he's acting surprised. He knows I, I don't think it's a red card. Um, look, I'm not saying it's a horrendous decision. I can't. I can see why a red was given, but I don't think there's any force in it. He was pretty much from a standing start, so he's not lunged in. I disagree. I don't think it was high. Look, it's mistimed. If the ball was there, he's not going over the top of the ball, which is generally what is considered high. Like, oh, I was a higher tackle if you wouldn't have got the ball if the ball was on the floor. If the ball was on the floor, he'd have hit probably the middle of it. It wouldn't have even been high up on the ball. The the slow-mo does no one any favours because you slow anything down to that degree and it's going to look horrendous. The What makes it look terrible is that it bent Meyer's ankle back badly. But you can't start giving cards based on the injury. If, if that exact same tackle happens and Aubameyang's actually a bit higher... So he's not on his ankle, he's on the inside of the shin. Nothing bends because your shin can't bend and he gets booked. I think that that red card has been given purely on the severity of, of how bad the potential injury could be and how bad it looks. I, I Literally, the more I see it, the less I think it's a red card. At, at the game, it was, it's the exact other side for me, so I didn't see it. Mm. To be honest, we was all moaning that the ref was booked him because we was like, oh, it's his first one. Then they showed the VAR decision on the big screen and you thought, but they just showed it in super slow-mo, zoomed into his ankle, folding over. And you thought, okay, yeah, I can see it. And literally every single time I see it, I just get more and more thinking like, okay, I can see why it's given. I just really don't think it is. As I said, I think if he's higher, he's probably less like. I'm going to throw another one at you. Um, Use height as the reason because he, well, it wasn't aggressive. As I said, he didn't lunge in, he didn't charge at him. So they go, oh, but it was high. And I said, well, one, I don't think it was. And, and two, if he was higher, I think he wouldn't have got sent off because there would have been no horrific look. I think it's quite in, in a different way. Like Son got sent off for a nothing tackle against Everton when, um, who was it? Broke, uh, Andre Gomez broke their ankle or leg or whatever it was he broke. And then it got rescinded. He was sent off purely because of the injury that was caused. He didn't actually make a bad tackle. And I don't think Aubameyangs will get rescinded, but I think it's very similar that it, the, the red card was given because the VAR has been able to see what happened to Mayer's ankle rather than just ju- judge the challenge as a challenge. I'm going to look, uh, I think it was a red card straight up. Um, I, I, I thought look, straight away as soon as I've seen it. However, I've seen a lot since then. Um, look, in slow mo's, I agree with you, it gives you a totally different view on it. But the Robertson one, Liverpool versus Spurs. Um, worse. Worse. I, Robertson yeah. one is worse. Yeah. Now, this is the problem with but VAR. Just, just to, this is what I'm saying. Because it was higher up, the guy it was Tangala or whatever, Tanganga, yeah. your shin can't bend. So it doesn't look as bad because it's higher up, if that makes sense. But I, I think the Robertson one's much worse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But this is the problem with VAR. Look, I thought, Sam thought, Schwinn thought, and I, look, I've, I, a lot of Arsenal fans also thought that it was a red... There will be a lot that'll say um, that it was yellow. wasn't much in it. I'm in, which, the, I'm in the minority. I know that. I know yeah. more people think it's red than not. Yeah, yeah. But 
The problem here with VAR, and I heard you and Darren talking about it the other week on a podcast that he's did, and he didn't want to touch base on it. I don't know whether he's for or against it. I'm not sure. But the problem here is the consistency with VAR. So you've got a decision there with a Bemiang, got a yellow VAR, overturned it, gave it a red. The Robertson one, VAR didn't even look at it. And this is half the fucking problem. I said to you boys, remember it? last seasons I said we're actually going to be talking about VAR more this season than you will ever believe and I think every week there's there's discussions coming out and around about VAR had VAR not been introduced that'd be a yellow and it would have stuck with a yellow you think of course whatever there'd be no other option there's no VAR but I think, for me, this is the prime example of where the, the ref should go and look at the screen. And replays shouldn't be slowed down to 100 times the speed, like 100 times the speed. It should be... I think when VAR was initially introduced, they said it, the ref would be able to look at... I can't remember if it was three or four replays. Hmm. No more than three or four replays and all at full speed. And I think if you only see that at three or four at full speed, it's a lot harder to give a red card. Yeah. And this is the problem with the Premier League and VAR. Every other league doesn't have these problems because the ref goes over and looks at the little screen on the sideline or the monitor or whatnot. Look, this, is, this is my argument that they're not VARs. It's not a video assistant referee. It's a video referee. The guy on the pitch is the assistant because the final decision comes with the, the VAR. So how is he the assistant? Yeah. In, in what world is the guy who makes the final decision the assistant? Yeah, that's why in every other country it literally is a VAR here it's not it's a video referee with some cunt running around on the pitch Schwinn mm-hmm. we haven't heard much from you this season um, your thoughts on the VAR it's been an absolute wreck hasn't it I mean there's just no consistency uh, as you guys just touched upon if look if decisions are going wrong and they're all going wrong in a particular way then you can sort of understand that maybe you know it's the rule or it's the application or interpretation of a rule but it just leaves the fans scratching their heads and you know you can you can sort of sense the the frustration in the ground as well um, from from what i've heard from you guys on the podcast and from some other podcasts and even when you're just watching on the telly you can hear the groaning start you know maybe 60 or 75 seconds into the the review and uh, it's it's just very very annoying how it's affected the game in, in some cases, it's done good, but arguably there's been more harm than good, and that's that's the problem with it. That's how you judge these things by, and maybe maybe it'll become better. But as you said, Tez, I, I fear we're going to be talking about VAR for not just this season, but even next season as we as we try and grasp if you know mm. if it's truly worth it or not. It's, it's it's just a kind of a thing. It really is a kind of a system, um, but it's the way the Premier League have adapted it too. They just think they're big and. They're beyond everybody else, and we'll do it our way, and you fellas do it your way. Well, I'm sorry, but the Premier League, you're fucking it right up. Um, okay, so Bemyang went off. Now, I just want to touch, though, look, and I've seen a few people talking about when Bemyang went off, Tony, they were saying, look, oh, well, you know, it was 1-1 one, one, one at that stage, and, and that type has overshadowed the match, And but just to remind everybody, it was 1-1 one, one at that time, so... The Abemian going off wasn't the reason we lost the game. Well, we didn't lose the game, so no, it wasn't. Um, 
But no, I mean, to be honest, we actually still went for it at one all, and it, I wouldn't have. I, 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 well, I was expecting us to sort of half park the bus, but we didn't. We still went for it. The, where I did agree with uh, Arteta is I, I thought Ozil was having a half-decent game. I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was excellent. But as soon as the, the red card happened, I said to like my mate who I was with, take Ozil off, bring Martinelli on, and just basically go for the court, like hit the corner flags and use the pacing behind the Pepe and Martinelli. And, and Arteta done that almost straight away. Um, and so I thought we were going to try and play on the break and we didn't. So he kind of, he made the sub I would have made, but used it in a different style. And to be honest, I think we were probably the more dangerous team once it went, once we went down to 10 men. Uh, obviously we hit the post and then missed a the rebound from that. A couple of other little, not chances, but little moments, breaks that could have led to a chance. Mm. But no, you can't say a Bamiyan getting sent off is the reason we didn't win. Um, yeah, no, I've just seen a few people talking. It overshadows the whole game, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it does. Um, look, I haven't got much more to talk about, really. Um, Ozil went off, Martinelli came on. There was a late yellow card for Lacazette. Um, then Lacazette went off. Shut the fuck up. And Lacazette went off and Nelson came on. That was... Uh, yeah, I haven't got much more, Tony, on that. Have you got... Any more you want to talk before we go to the three, two, and one? No. Nah, I should just quickly mention. Yep. Oh, go ahead, twin. Uh, thanks, Sam. Uh, should just quickly mention Lacazette should be putting that. I mean, it, I know Pepe hit the post, and then the goalkeeper was very close to Lacazette on that occasion. But you can't help but imagine that he should put that in the back of the net. You're you're being ply, and I didn't say it because I get moaned at for moaning at Lacazette. He a hundred percent should score that. I don't care how close the keeper is to him. Any sharp number nine scores that. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, two yards away from the goal, just just do anything but hit it right in front of you. You know. Well, this is that's, just that's shows how the keeper the keeper was covering the space that was directly in front of Lacazette. If he kicks it anywhere but straight, it goes in. Yeah. But I mean, even a slight chip, you know, at, at that distance. The goalkeeper doesn't react quick enough, you know? He has to do better there. And at, at this stage in the Premier League, you, we have to take our chances. Uh, we are very far down the ladder. And with with man down uh, towards the dying embers of the game, you have to be sharp. You And he's wearing the captain's armband. I mean, he has to do better there. There's just no excuse. Well, this is, you know, and this is how out of form he is at the moment. I think we touched on it last week, Tony. No, stop being nice. He doesn't score goals alone. <laughs> bullshit. Oh, he needs one goal, then he'll be confident. Then he'll be a thirty-goal season striker. Yes, if we send him to the MLS, he'll be a thirty-goal season striker. As long as he's got a hole in his ass, he will not score thirty goals in the Premier League. This oh, his confidence bullshit. No, he's never done it. Stop pretending he used to do it, and he's had a few bad games. He does not score enough goals. The end of one of our one of our worst signings. No, he's a good no. player, but yep. it's bullshit. Oh, he's not confident. That's why he's not scoring. Well, he's never been confident then. Last time he was confident was when he was at Leon, apparently. Yeah, he was. But, but then confident. when he got our player of the year because he twerked last year, apparently he was confident then and got, what, 15 goals? I don't know why. This It's, it's just annoying. Like, yeah, oh, it's no, just yeah. when he, conf- he scores one and then he'll be confident, then he'll score every week. No, he won't. <laughs> I do it. I do know you might. Um, Sam, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just want to go back to um, about five minutes before that chance. 
um, and just give Socrates some credit for that ball that uh, Zaha put in. And Leno was, he did not know what to do at all. And it was going to go in for sure. And Socrates got it off the line. So um, that was, I think, their only really good chance after their goal. And so just credit to him for being there. Okay, Tony, let's do our three, two, one. Your three points, Kirsten. Yeah, Liam massively stole my thunder with his player ratings uh, because I didn't think anyone else would do the same as me. My, my three was Maitland-Niles. Um, didn't didn't add to the game going forward, but you go into Palace, think their big threat is Wilfred Zaha. And, and to be honest, I can barely remember him having a kick. So, and Pepe is not like Pepe massively helps defensively. And then you had Guendouzi at that side in the second half who doesn't help defensively. So he pretty much 1v1v Zaha the whole game. And I can't remember Zaha having a memorable moment. So... I've got to go Ainsley. Okay, Sam, you're three. Yeah, um, so I'm actually going to go Socrates. And the reason why is because, I mean, he wasn't really involved with the goal they scored. He didn't really make any mistakes the entire game. And then he saved a goal. I mean, so if that went in, we don't get a point. So um, I thought he had a very solid game. So okay. Socrates. And Schwinn is your story, buddy. I'm actually going to go with Torreira. I thought he started the game very bright, was very quick to clean stuff up, and that helped us you know, keep possession and, and keep bringing the game to them. I know we dropped off a little bit uh, after what, the first 20, 25 minutes, um, but I think we really missed him in the second half. And this is nothing against Guendouzi. I thought he was okay. And, uh, you know, big shoes to fill in, in Torreira. But uh, I thought Torreira did very well to keep us under control. You know, gave Granite uh, that sort of space to, to move into the left, to occupy Kolasinac's spot while he was up. And that gave Granite a bit more space to, to ping those balls further up the field. And so, yeah, Torreira for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Granite because all you cunts out there that said that... Um... <laughs> It's his fault the players aren't fit. So <laughs> I'm going to go fucking Granite. The fuck is. And he's a good looking bloke. No just, just for reference, <laughs> Just for reference, in case people haven't seen it, I, I saw a tweet yesterday and I sent it to these guys saying the reason. Arteta has obviously said our players aren't fit enough, which, fair enough, that's his assessment. I probably agree with him. But there was a tweet saying the reason it's Granite's fault that our players aren't fit enough. I, I'm not trying to explain it. I have you know, what the person was trying to say. Uh, but yeah, nah. as, as with everything related, it's Shaka's fault. Yeah, it's always Granit's fault. Um, Tony, your two? Uh, I'm going to go with the other fullback. Again, no, Kolasinac isn't really known for his defensive work, but no problems down that wing. I don't think he was ever in trouble. Uh, got forward really well. I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure if it's so much it, it was a good performance from him or it's just the way we play tactically when the, the centre-backs have the ball. Obviously, Granite goes and sits at left-back. Aubameyang tucks in and, and Kolasinac runs on. And it's it's almost like our out-ball, but usually an out-ball is a ball that just kind of keeps you safe. It means you keep the ball, but nothing really happens. But we kind of look, I don't want to say dangerous because people go, oh, we didn't make any chances from it. But our out-ball at the moment is... It's like a really attacking outball. Luis spreads it wide and, and Kolasinac more, more times than not is in sort of the final third. And then, and then he's got either the crossing option or a couple of pullbacks on. Um, so I'm going to say him, but I don't know if it's particularly anything he done or, or more the system, but it just looks so strong as an outball. Okay. 
Um, I'm actually going to go with our with our other center back, Louise. Um, I think he's extremely unlucky for the deflection. Um, and I'm he's doing all he can in that situation. Um, but I thought, I mean, he pretty much controlled the game for the first 40 minutes. Um, and then there was also that the play at the end when he went up and moved the ball. <laughs> and uh, but yeah. I'll give that to him. Yeah, um, and Schwinn, your two, buddy. I think for me, the two and one are, are the fullbacks for, for reasons Tony's already mentioned. Uh, Maitland Niles for his defensive work and Kolasinac for some of the attacking prowess that he's starting to bring. He's whipping in balls a bit earlier, too. Uh, I noticed yesterday that he's not shy of, you know, maybe. Uh, trying to curl one into the far post. Uh, he's not necessarily making those forward runs all the way to the byline, which helps with some of the recovery runs he has to make. So that's a bit smart. That's something he's uh, that Arte has probably noticed, that he struggles with that. And uh, he's he's being a bit better on the ball from from what I saw yesterday. So Nathan Niles and Kolasinac sort of share two and one for me. Yeah, I'm going to go Louise. Get off the fence. Or two. Don't and... get away with that. Get off the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Louise. For two. Uh, well, uh, don't let him get away with that. <laughs> Who's your two? Let's get on. Let's get on. Come on, come on. We have a lot. Go on, over. go on, Shree. Who's your two? We've got to tally up at the end of the season. We can't All give right, him one and a half match. each. All right, class match, class match. <laughs> one and a half each. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Offense sitters back, eh? <laughs> Um, he never left. <laughs> yeah, Louise two, and I'm going to go to her for the one. So, Tony, uh, I'm really torn between Jacker and Louise for for one. So I'm going to do a Schwinn and get give them half a point each, and apparently that's acceptable on this podcast. No, it's not. No, it's not. You made me say it too. Come on, come on. Uh, uh, David Louise, just because I, I thought Granite had another good game, but I thought. Obviously, for the goal, Louise has played a really good ball forward. And as I said earlier, getting Kolasinac in with that sort of inside-out switch. Uh, David Louise. He's playing, he, was, he was unlucky to get that deflection, as Sam said. But, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's nothing he can do about that. And if he doesn't get in the way of it, you moan that your defender's not putting his body on the line. So yeah, it's yeah. just And it deflects twice. As I said, it hit both his legs as well, which is it's not even like he's made a bad block. It's, he's blocked it with one leg and he's bounced onto the other. There's literally nothing you can do about that. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, Sam, did I get your one, buddy? Yeah, I think for my last one, I think I'm going to give everyone a ninth of a point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to give I'm going to give it to Ainsley um, for all the reasons you, you all the reasons you guys mentioned. Um, Zaha really didn't do anything for the, the whole game. Okay, um, we're going to do some questions to Tony, but just before that, boys, I'm just going to stop this recording because I think something's just happened on the computer. Okay, these are going to be in a crazy order because they're in a few different tweets. Uh, FPL Canada, should we make a bid for John Stones? What would he cost you? I mean, for me, I'll answer and anyone else can add in. No, I mean, look, City aren't a club that need to sell. He still plays for them. They paid 50 million, what, three, four years ago. 
he, he would cost way more than he's worth for the Espanyol City. Don't need to sell, and so I'm not a big fan anyway, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they have a pay for him to be honest, but you know, at the time, um, he he hasn't been the fifty million dollar player I thought he'd be. But yeah, I think I still don't think they'd let him go for you know, it would be ten million or something. They'd be up there. Um, they wouldn't lose money on him because they don't need to. No, that's right. Exactly. exactly. Like, um, City don't sell players for less than they buy them for. They just let them run out of contract. This like the worst case. Look at like Mangala and probably a couple of others who's, who's Delph. Who's, like just they just run them down because they don't need the money coming in from outgoing transfers. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Um, okay, go on. Uh, more of a statement from MWA Gunner. Tony will miss Love Island. Yes, I absolutely am missing Love Island. See my commitment to this podcast. Some some of our hosts turn up once every six months and then sit on the fence when you're doing a three two one. Others miss bullshit. A great bullshit. Someone just made us wait like five minutes so they could have finished watching Love Island before we started. Still not finished. What are you on about? That was tell that to go and feed his chicken or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, back to the podcast. Um, FPL Canada again. The season's basically a write off, and there's probably no money in January for top class players, but that's a good thing. As I see it, I'm happy to give Arteta until the end of the season to accurately assess what he needs and who he needs for Arsenal to challenge next season. Oh, look, for, for me, I when I said it, I said it before we appointed Arteta, I, I didn't think it was the right appointment. But what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I think he, he's managed the men exactly what we wanted to do and, and man management comes into it. Tactics was always going to be a worry. However, I think that'll now come along as he goes along. As far as riding off this season, we're still in the Europa League, FA Cup. Um, as what, what, you know, I know we're in tenth, but I don't think there's many points separating us and fourth. Is it? I don't know. I'll stop uh, looking that high. Yeah, I haven't looked. Um, but yeah. Just, uh, I mean, I agree that this. Is, I don't want to say audition or trial phase, but this is a learning phase for Arteta. I said it when he was appointed and, and I still go with it. The only, the only bit I might question is no money in January just because they're, they're trying to get Mustafi out the door. That's obvious. Uh, it looks like Mavropanos is going to go on loan tomorrow. So that leaves our centre-back options as Socrates, Louise and Holden, who was woeful against Leeds, just looked so short of fitness, looked like he hadn't played football for three years. There's no way any competent club is leaving six months left of the season or however long there is, four months left of the season when you're still in three competitions with only three centre-backs. They must, to be allowing Mustafi and uh, thingy and Mavropanos to go out on loan, they must have something up their sleeve, surely. Mm-hmm. There may be a question on that later. I haven't read the questions, so sorry yeah. if I fucked anyone. Schwinn, well, give me your thoughts on Arteta and how he started since he's come in. I think there's a unanimous consensus on that. Uh, he's been very good. There's instant impact. Um, you know, people often talk about the new manager balance, and yeah, to an extent, it may be that. But you can see the players are happier. You know, there's a bit more freedom. People are being a bit more expressive. That's obviously a very big point of observation, in my opinion. And uh, the results speak for themselves. Man United Leeds was a big challenge for us. For anyone who watched the game. You know, they are in the championship, but they played very, very well. And I think we did well on the day. Bournemouth, Chelsea, uh, not so much. Of course, Chelsea were very good. Didn't pick up the result, though. And I think that's a bit unfair to us. But 
you can you can see the energy from the beginning. Uh, the message was very clear. He's sticking to the message. He's not flip flopping. No more tinker man. And all in all, I think there's the confidence from the board as well. And that brings me to Tony's point that th- there is definite need. And if we can do a deal, I think we'd be interested in it. And uh, I think the man deserves it. You know, he's shown enough in two weeks, more than Emery showed in a, a year and a half. And for me, it's the right appointment, hands down. No, I don't think, and going back to what Tony said, you know, obviously defence in January. I don't think is it. What is that guy's name? Upper 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 Carney. Yeah, uh, I don't think it'll be somebody like him, though. I, I don't know who. I just I can't believe that any. Like I, I don't know anything beyond what anyone else knows, but I just can't believe that any football club would leave themselves with two centre backs and one that's played what five or ten games in the last eighteen months. And that's it when they're in, as I said, we expected to go deep in the, the Europa League. We're still in, obviously, we've still got 16 league games and at least one more FA Cup game. I can't see us doing that with three centre-backs. I can't believe we'd be that stupid. Mm, OK, go on. Uh, Cosmin Boot, uh, some TV programme, it was ESPN, uh, done a league stand-in after correcting all of the refs' mistakes and we were fifth. What are your thoughts on that? Refs' mistakes or VAR? Was that that one with VAR running around? Yeah, it was VAR, but I I saw you post it in the group. I don't know if you know the context. Um, So they didn't just change the mistakes. They used some algorithm they made up to as if it swayed momentum. So if you've had a goal disallowed at at one all, that would have put you 2-1 up and then you've lost 2-1. They didn't just make it 2-2. They've used, as I said, some made-up algorithm to say, well, it was 2-1 and Arsenal were flying, having just scored two goals in five minutes. And then they've probably gone on to give us the win, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go on, Sam. You, you tackle this one. I'll cancel that decision and, and that means Arsenal get an extra point or two. Yeah, okay. Well, Sam, you tackle it, buddy. I mean, <laughs> it's exactly what I would think um, would happen. I mean, I feel like we've been very unfortunate and I know that's just because it might just be because I'm a fan and that's how I like to look at things. But I really do think we've been very unfortunate in many of our games this season. Um, so, I mean, I wish we were in fifth, but um, going back to earlier, we are 11 points off of fourth now. Yeah, I just 11 points. ago. I just think like you have a look at this team. Look, we had plenty of expectations at the start of the season. I can't remember whether I went four. Schwinn, I think you went fifth. Um, went third, I think. Third, did you? Okay, so Tony, I can't remember. Maybe it was Tony who went fourth or fifth. Um, I expect four. Yeah, so we had plenty of expectations, but then you look at the look at how we've performed, you know, and obviously a manager's been sacked with a point at Arteta. I don't know if... We've been bad, guys, <laughs> like... You, you know, putting a, a, a little thing out with the, you know, difference of the VAR to a ref and whatever the stats say, but let's face it, we, we've been bad this season. Yep. Go on, Tony. Hey. Um, MWA Gunner, do we need to uh, do we need to buy a backup to Torreira? I'm guessing yes. So do we go for a tall workhorse like Henderson or another Torreira, someone who's just good as a DM? Go on, Schwinn. Get into it, buddy. 
I think it has to be someone a bit more defensive. I mean, looking around the club and assuming that Ceballos will will stay around, we make that deal permanent. You know, we have Guendouzi, Granit, uh, and Ceballos. Joe Willock coming up the ranks. I think we need someone a bit more defensive who can you know do a job every now and then because Torreira is just one of those people who run run themselves into the ground and. With the amount of games in a season, probably good to have someone who can come in and do a job every now and then, uh, whether it's in the Premier League or some of the other tournaments we take part in. So I think that that'd be my go. Mm, nothing ahead, Tony. Yeah. Uh, MWA Gunner again. You guys are lucky. Tony got to watch Arsenal we leave at the stadium. The others got to watch it on broadcast in other countries. While I had to watch it on BBC trying to put up with Danny Murphy crying about Jack of fouling and giving Lacazette man of the match. Um, what did you guys make of the fouling? Was it tactically clever or was Xhaka just being reckless? I'm, I'm very lucky, I assume, to not get booked. Also, did Lacazette deserve man of the match? Obviously, this is going back to the Leeds game on Monday, which we didn't do a podcast after. Go on, see. <laughs> I mean... I think he's lucky to not get a yellow, but at the same time, I mean, we've seen it week in, week out. I mean, how did IU not get a yellow in our game is a good question. Um, so I think it's just depends on the ref you have. But I think, um, I mean, I'd rather him be making those fouls than letting people, you know, just run, just run off of them. I agree with you. Like At the end of the day, like, what do you want from a player? Do you want him to just stand there and just let whoever go past? Or do you want him to actually have a go and make some tackles? I, I preferably... You know, have a go. If he gets a yellow, fine, not a problem, mate. Um, yeah, for me, that is horrendous refereeing. He should have been booked. And this argument again is so dumb because, like, you see people going, "Oh, we've done at least enough to get two bookings," and they are probably right. But when you get one, you calm down because you know you're on that tightrope. And until you've got that one, you keep pushing it. And so people going, "Oh, he should have been sent off," is like. It's not dealing with the consequences of earlier actions. Um, so uh, he de- definitely should have been booked and, and he would have had to change his game. I, I don't know what else you can really add on that. No, I mean, I, I look, again, I agree with you two, sorry, that I do the way he played. Fair enough, yeah, break attacks up. Mm. Keep doing it and, until you get booked and then do it cleverly or someone else has their go. All good teams do it. It's, it's called fucking rotational fouling for a reason. You do it till you get booked and then someone else has a go. And then when they get booked, someone else starts doing it, or you sub someone on to start doing it. What, what type it of fans have we? Be, what type of fans have we become, though? Like, because I actually think they were bringing it up in this in the WhatsApp group, and I thought to myself, we're now saying one of our players should be booked, but that's okay. <laughs> like, I don't want any of my no, players to be booked. <laughs> look, it's who it was. Yeah. If it was not Granite Xhaka. It would have, if Torreira had done the same, and I like Torreira, this isn't a criticism, it would be clever. Breaking up all the attacks and, and he hasn't got booked yet. Amazing. Because it's Xhaka, it's fucking hell, I can't believe Xhaka ain't like, so stupid, he's fouling again. Mm-hmm. But, again, I don't want to seem like I'm on these case. I am on these cases. Like, Lacazette gives away so many fouls. Mm-hmm. I I'm not criticising him. I don't have a problem with it. But... When he does it, it's, oh, yeah, fair enough. Good foul, not dangerous position. Like, let him have a free kick there. Xhaka does the same thing, the same position. Fuck's sake, Xhaka again. 
this guy's and on and also on. the second part of that question Lacazette absolutely didn't deserve man in a match I actually I was obviously coming out the ground and someone put in the WhatsApp group like oh yeah Lacazette back in form he's got, he's got man in a match and I started laughing I thought they were messing about his confidence was up <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I'm just playing the count. I genuinely, I started laughing when they messaged. Like, I thought, oh yeah, like someone's taking a piss. And then I got, I got home and saw online that they genuinely had given him man of the match. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> next question, MWA Gunner again. Thoughts on Socrates having six months left on his deal? Go on, Schwinn. Ooh, I actually didn't know that was the case. Neither did I, but he said it last week as well. Um, MWA Gunner, so I'm assuming he's looked. Yeah, uh, tough one, that. I mean, I know we have um, Saliba coming in at the end of the season, but some of the points that Tony mentioned in relation to bringing in a center back in January, that sort of ties in with that. You know, we have to remember Chambers is also suffering from a long-term injury. Mustafi is probably going to go, if not this window. Well, this window seems a bit hard now with, with you know, some of the other injuries. I, I, I fear we might give him a deal, and this is nothing against the guy. I mean, as, as Sam said, he was very good yesterday and, and saved us a couple of points. Uh, well, saved us a point, I should say. But uh, I don't know if I'd give him a new deal. You know, it's, it's, it's that time where we have to now, I hate the rebuilding phrase, but we do. We really need to. And, and I just tried to put in a little bit. There will one million percent if his contract is up. There will one million percent be an option on our side because you don't pay eighteen million for someone and give them a two-year contract. No, I don't know that, but just football logic tells me there there will hundred percent be an option. That's true. That's I mean, keeping that in mind, uh, maybe it's worth mentioning that we should get someone as a prospect who we can embed into the team uh, over a season. As we know, the Premier League can be very, very uh, harsh on a new on a new player. The the season is unforgiving. And everyone needs that betting in time, even if you're someone like Lacazette, who's you know used to starting in week in week out. So we should look beyond and you know give him that trigger that one year clause, but prepare for his departure maybe at the end of next season. How, how do you how do you rate that signing though, Schwinn, like Socrates? Or is he is he the player that just gets a job done each week, or has he been a a player who's like been who's wowed you. It's definitely been the former, in my opinion. Uh, we have to caveat this by you know by saying that Emery was in charge of the club for a year and a half, so any evaluation has to be seen through that lens, and that maybe is a is a bit unfair on the man. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the bottom line, and we you know we have to look at his age, we have to look at the future. I, I believe in Arteta in terms of building a new player. You know, he can really help refine someone young and, and, and get them ready for uh, the top level, in my opinion. And keeping those things in mind, I have to sort of move away from uh, our current center backs. They're both decently old. And in my opinion, we should now start looking towards the future uh, just because of the manager we have in place. Mm, okay. What about you, Tony? You- uh, as if, there, if there is an option for an extension, it's an absolute no-brainer. I mean, for... a for an option it's, it's a no-brainer uh, even if there's not I would give him at least another year he's shown no signs of regressing I agree that he's not he's not good enough on the ball to be ideally what we want but he's still good enough he's not age hasn't caught up with him he's still as quick and strong as, as he was the day he got here 
Um, and look, when he's had a defence around him, as, as Schwinn said, you can argue he looked bad at times under Emery, but especially this season. But since Arteta has been in and he's had players around him, been very good. Well, I mean, you say very good or good enough, whatever, whatever way you want to put it. I'm not saying he's been world class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even go forward, if we get look, I, the way Luis is playing, you've got to assume that he is the main centre back. And say we buy someone or next season when Saliba comes in, Socrates is your next choice. It's really not a bad option for your for your first reserve centre back. I think he gets into most teams. So to have that as your first your your sub, your not your priority centre back, I think is a good option. You've got to look just to squad for squad, not just first team. So for me, yeah, I think extending taking the option up is a no brainer. And even if that isn't there, I'd offer him a new deal as long as the money's not stupid. Okay. I like it uh, too. MW Gunner, would you rather see Xhaka and Sabayos than Xhaka and Gwendouzi? Interesting. Go on, Sam. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I would. Um, I think we know exactly what we'll get from Gwendouzi every single week. And with Sabayos, I'm dying to see more of him. We just haven't had the chance. Um, I think we also need to see more of Ceballos if we have any plans on keeping him. I mean, as of now, we haven't seen him in a while. He had some good, you know, he was in good form for a few games. But other than that, I mean, if he's 40 million, I don't know if I want him at this point. So I want to see more of him. I think he can come good, but I mean, until he plays, we won't know. (laughs) he's our resident Gwendoofy lover Mm. (laughs) go on Shrink your time to shine boy I mean I I love the kid I really do but I have to agree with Sam I mean Ceballos has I mean in the early part of the season he showed some flair I mean that Burnley game obviously comes to mind he has that experience he's been in a locker room with some personalities albeit not very successfully but you know he, he knows uh, the dynamics and I think he's got a bit more edge to him than Gwen and maybe I'm being a bit unfair on Gwen Doozy but uh, you know Tess said a couple of weeks ago and he said it many times Gwen Doozy does need to go out on loan and I agree with that I think he you know it's some things maybe came a bit too easy to him and it is partly due to you know how he had been um, at this initial phase in his Arsenal career but as the season has gone on we've seen a, a drop in level and maybe he will benefit. Uh, maybe most certainly he'll benefit from a, from a loan spell. Uh, Sam said something interesting there, that 40 million price tag. And that did get my head, you know, me scratching my head. I don't know either if I'd spend that sort of money on him. But I'd like for him to stick around. Um, and with finances, it's very hard to say uh, how much we have, how much we're going to spend, and how much Madrid will want for him. So that's obviously going to be a key question. But if both of them are fit, and so is Granite. I, I choose Ceballos more often than Wendouzi. For me, just on the, I agree with most of what both of you have said, but on the 40 million, uh, I think being honest at the moment, it's a no, but these next, whatever it is, four months are, again, I keep saying this, it's another audition. You've got four months to convince us that you, you should be here long term. He's got the ability to do it, but as of now, would I go and spend 40 million on him? If that deal was, it had to be done by the end of the transfer window, January transfer window. I wouldn't do it. But as I said, I think he's definitely got the ability to change my mind by the end of the season. So again, it's another audition phase. It's not just for Arteta to find out about the players. It's for the players to find out about him and prove themselves. 
just just on him yeah. though for a minute. Um, and sorry to cut you off there, Schwinn. Just do you find him more of a, more of a midfielder or more of a a, a number ten and maybe a reserve for Urzel? No, Not a ten for me. No, he's a, the the. I mean, thinking back to when we first started the podcast, my main criticism of Lacazette was he kept coming short because he wanted to fill the ball and it kind of become one of them phrases um, along with uh, watch football with your eyes but Ceballos is very similar he's one that you look at certain players like Xhaka always has like 100 touches a game and and Ceballos is one of them players that just wants to be on the ball all the time and it's not criticism um, but as a 10 he will end up coming stupidly short to get his touches and then you basically haven't got a 10 yeah okay not very cool uh, sorry, Schwinn, you answer. Yeah, I think something worth mentioning here is obviously the change in manager. So we'll have to see whether Arteta, uh, you know, takes kindly to him. Uh, we know Ceballos is a pretty fiery personality as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, dynamic plays out. And of course, we all know that Ceballos, you know, wants to play at Madrid. It's it's been covered pretty publicly, and. It'll be difficult to evaluate how much his head is tilted, especially because he's been away uh, from the club in terms of his injury. So how much has that changed? And that, that'll be an interesting thing to look out for as well. On, on the uh, flip side of that, he doesn't want to play under Zidane and Zidane ain't going anywhere. Oh, exactly, I was just about exactly. to say that. Yeah. So like that earlier on in the season, they were sitting in fourth or fifth. I think they lost their first two group games in the Champions League or they lost to PSG and got a draw at home to Club Bruges. And it looked like Zidane was sort of in trouble. Now they're joint top on goal difference. They've just won the Spanish Super Cup, I think. They're obviously in the last 16 of the Champions League. And, and I think now it's uh, Zidane will be there. And they spent a lot of money as well. So uh, I think it's likely Zidane will be there, which makes the Ceballos situation a bit different. Um, right. Next question. Uh, Hakon Larson, how the fuck can we cope without Aubameyang? <laughs> we got like we got like a zet with confidence. We'll be right. Yeah. But I, I I can't see where the goals are coming from. Especially Sheffield United play three at the back. Who are next game? They play three at the back. They're very good defensively. They don't concede many goals. I don't know what we're going to do. We get beat by Sheffield. Pepe is going to be key. I think Pepe. We, we might have to look towards Pepe. I'm not saying he'll play a centre forward, but. We might have to get him the ball a lot more. Well, by Martinelli. It's even more trickier. You beat the wing back and then you've still got another centre back there. Lacazette has to be uh, in the box striker. Just Especially against the back three. He can't keep coming short. Unless, as I said, he comes short. Martinelli, I assume, has to play. And and then Pepe and Martinelli have to play super narrow if, if Laka comes short. But then you're kind of killing everything that Pepe's good at. I just, uh, I think that's. I think what I've just said is how they're gonna play. Is not what I would do. I got my crystal ball out because we're talking about crystal balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I reckon we get beat by Sheffield United. I, I just, I get you know, I don't want it to, but I just think that that, that they'll be just too good for us. Which, I know Aubameyang's three-game ban is Sheffield United, Chelsea, and. Who's the other one? Newcastle, I think. Is it? I don't know. I, I was asking. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's Newcastle. Okay. Well, we lose. We lose two. Two or three, two of them. I think. Obviously. 
Or is it? Well, that'll be fun. Um, AFC edit guy who is now Tell's best mate because he retweets everything. And my timeline is always full of edits and people saying that's a great edit and liking edits and retweeting edits. Thanks, Tez. That's, that's um, a lot of edits. It, it's literally, we should be called Clock End Edit. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, what is just, it with these guys with the edits? Mate, every you, fucking hell. You. What do you mean, yeah. me? They just tag you. me in everything, mate. Always tag me. I, I Say, look you at, encourage oh, them. It's like oh, the ugly girl at school. You keep, oh, yeah, come on, we all like you. And then she had latches onto you. Like, oh. <laughs> well, fucking look at it. Just because someone buys you a drink doesn't mean you have to sleep with them, Ted. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a drink, okay? It's in, I'm involved in the drink, so I'm happy that somebody's just reaching out. <laughs> yeah, you just happy to be noticed. I, I put the notifi- I was saying to Tony, I put the notifications on my phone the other day. Oh, that rookie error that was. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's everyone. It's not this guy. It's not particularly FC edit guy, but you retweet one and they think, oh, look at them. They retweet edit. So then you get anyone who's ever done an edit ever of anything going, oh, we'll tag them in it. I, just uh, before you ask the question, I'm just going <laughs> to... You don't have to answer the question. You just said red card. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, anyway, we already touched on that. So, um, I, I had the, I was talking to these edit guys, you know, and, and they talk and they get, they send out fucking whatever they send out. They're doing great edits. I enjoy it. Lacazette's one, uh, Charlie Shank Art, he does these little drawings and that. But I actually followed the notifications on Charlie's, what did he do? Oh, he done a picture of Arteta. Oh, you should have seen him blowing up. Like, I thought, fucking first world problem. And, it was oh he's fake he's fake he's fake and I thought it was funny <laughs> it was just last I'm, I'm looking at him going you poor simple cunt don't have much of a life but to jump on Twitter and call somebody f- who cares like at the end of the day if he's fake who cares if they're real who cares I don't care either way but it just it was funny the little thread coming out. I don't know if you caught it Schwinn or not but I'm yeah, like well, well, what <laughs> I found even funnier is like. Look, whether I don't know enough about art to know if they're fake or not. I think, as you with you, I don't particularly care. But half people were criticising him, saying, "Oh, you're fake. You basically just printed it off." Essentially, was a long-winded way of what they're trying to say. And then other people are saying, "Oh, it looks nothing like Arteta. It looks like," and they were putting different names out there. And I'm like, "Hang on, if he's fake and he's just printed the picture off the internet, which you're saying he's done, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's printed the picture of Arteta. Yeah. So it can't not look like him." But, <laughs> Look, I don't know Charlie from anyone else. We, we speak on Twitter occasionally, so I'm not trying to defend him. I don't know if they're fake or not. But you can't say, oh, fake, you've just pressed print, and then go, oh, but it looks nothing like Arteta. It, it's one or the other. <laughs> it was a funny thread, actually. <laughs> Have you seen it, Trent? I did. I mean, you, brought, you always brought it to my notice, but people have just way too much time, you know, <laughs> trying to... Uh, I mean, as you said, if it's real or if it's not, someone's trying to circulate fan art or, you know, maybe they drew, drew up something digitally, put some effects. At the end of the day, it's Arsenal content, you know? So for lack of a better word, you can call it propaganda. Let it be. Like, who the fuck cares if <laughs> no it's fake or not? I, yeah, I mean, uh, let's just say I'd rather see that art for Arteta than for Mourinho. Exactly. Come across my timeline. Also, it's a January transfer window. If you're going to fake shit, put a player in an Arsenal shirt. (laughs) Or say, oh, I went in the club shop and they were accidentally printing Messi 10. Like, 
and do a fake messy 10 like make it interesting it's a transfer window you've got free license do whatever the fuck you want and lie I'm going to have a look at that well that's what happened with I mean obviously <laughs> we end up declining Tierney and it was Tierney number three but about a month before it happened someone went oh I was in the club shop and by mistake and it was a really good like, it was an edit that no one could really tell was fake but obviously it was um, <laughs> anyway so he just said red card also, is that all he asked yeah, yeah, red card question mark. Obviously, we've already gone over that. Yeah. Um, Paul Harbour. Arteta wasn't my first choice as head coach, but he is talking a good game. Should we be cautious since Emery initially talked a good game too? Um, shout out to somebody else. Sam or Sam gone? I didn't pray to anyone. I just asked a question. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, I mean, I think everything Arteta's done. I think we've also seen it. To a point, I think we've looked so much better. We actually possess the ball. Um, we're moving the ball. Everyone's saying they're happier with Emery. I know it was a lot of tactics and, you know, everyone will be more in shape than we've ever seen, but we never really saw that. He would just kind of throw out a team, a different team each week and see if it would work. Um, I think with Arteta, we've seen the things he's talked about. So I think we can be a little more um, optimistic. We can be a little more optimistic about it. Yeah, for me, Emery came and said, we're going to press on the front foot. We want the ball all the time. We'd rather win 5-4 than 1-0. And then we never saw it, as you said. I don't think in terms of tactics or how we're going to play, Arteta's really said anything. He's just criticised us when we've not been good or said it's not good enough or said there's non-negotiables. He hasn't really said what they are. So I, I think he's talked a good game without kind of digging a hole for himself. Emery dug a hole for himself because... As soon as he said that, you've now got that expectation because it's come directly from his mouth. And if Arteta came out and said them similar things and then it wasn't happening, you've, you've got a reason to criticise. But he hasn't really said anything in terms of like tactically. So that we can't go back in six months and go, well, you said we were going to do this because he didn't. I think he's done it very cleverly where he said the right things. He sounds like he's going to be stern. He sounds like he's going to be entertaining. But he hasn't outright said, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I am here. I just fucking fucked up here. Um, come on, Tony. Sorry, mate. <laughs> nah, you've cut it out, Tony. I've got nothing. Where does Leonard? I mean, if you have to evaluate them, evaluate them in terms of their price tags, uh, Kepa for sure. Um, Lloris has been good for Tottenham. He's also been very advanced. But he's always got that one error in him, doesn't he? Um Leno's again to Tony's point from from yesteryears, if you will. He's he's a very confident looking lad, and he he always looks composed. He did have an error that Sam spoke about uh, against Crystal Palace, and he does often uh, do well. But I'm not sure if he fits that top bracket. I don't think he does. Anyone else before I move on? I think he has potential to be there, but I for now no. I think he has been very good for us, though. Fair enough. I, I don't think he's, he's in the top four in the league. So I see people on Twitter saying he's world-class. My definition of world-class, he's not. Wait, um, just, just to be clear, who are your top four other than the ones, the couple you mentioned? 
uh, Edison, Allison, De Gea are all ahead of him. And I know De Gea has made mistakes recently. I would still, if you gave me a straight shootout for the same money, because we're just talking about who is the best keeper, if you said you yeah. could sign Edison tomorrow for 10000000 million, I'll pick De Gea. Um, mm-hmm. Probably the case with Lloris and Kepa, to be honest. If you said they're all available for $10 million, I think Leno would probably be my last pick. Fair enough. I think some of them are debatable. The, the top three, I don't think there's a debate. I'd have De Gea, Allison, and, and Edison. Uh, Lloris and Kepa, there's a debate. I'd, I'd probably have Leno over Kepa, actually. Lloris, I think I'd probably have his more commanding. Uh, better, when I say better, we see, I mean, he kicks the ball out. It like goes where it's actually meant to, but then he does have a better target. But it's close, but yeah, probably not in my top four. Um, yeah. Um, all the marble again, isn't it? Embarrassment if United and Chelsea finished above us. Uh, we had a better summer window than both of them. Uh, Ted? Yeah, sorry, mate. What was that again? Uh, isn't it an embarrassment if United and Chelsea finish above us? We had a better summer window than both of them. Well, that's a question. You put a question mark at the end, so. Uh, I uh, look United. You're not United to be a surprise on me. Like I, I, but Chelsea, you've got a rate Lampard, haven't you? Like okay, we had a better window I, than them. But I, I don't know. If, I think it's more at the start of the season. Would you have expected to finish above them? Because you can't say from this yeah, point on it'd be embarrassing yeah. if they finish above us. They got like a 15 point head start or some nonsense. Yeah. Um, Look, I'd have to go back to what my predictions were. I, I have a funny feeling I had Chelsea in my top four and not Man United. So, I, honestly, I can't remember what I said <laughs> at the start of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's hard. Look, looking at it now, I'd be embarrassed with Manchester United, not so much Chelsea. Even with them, what? I don't know if they are, I think they're six points ahead of us. I've completely just made up six. I don't know how many points they're ahead of us. No, I've got no idea. They're in fourth, aren't they? Fourth or fifth? No, they're not fourth. I don't think Chelsea are. Well, good, aren't they? <laughs> um, anyway, I'll move on to the next question. No, I've got uh, nothing much, mate. <laughs> huh? No, sorry. I've got, I've got a delay here on the internet, so I'm about 30 seconds behind you. Fucking something. It's pissing me right off. So I was trying to fix it. But, um, yeah, I've got, I haven't got much else on that, mate. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back to my first... Um, that, that podcast we did pre-season so. yeah I mean for me I don't think it's embarrassing from this point if either of them finish above us I think we're a better team than United but you've got to show it week in week out at the start of the season I think I expected us to finish above both of them um, and I specifically added this question to the, our podcast at the start our predictions podcast who won the transfer window so to speak and I'm pretty sure we all said us so that answers the second part of this question Um Red Custodian, how much has the impact Arteta has had in these five games changed your thoughts and feelings towards the players, team and club? Go on, Troy. Uh, not a lot. I think towards the tail end, well, not even the tail end, but sort of the last three, four, three, four months, I want to say, of Emery's reign, you could tell that it's just not there. That feeling's not there. And for anyone who's a match day going fan, you just you can sense the energy. You know, the, the fans weren't feeling it. The players were arguably not feeling it. And because of that, I think players have taken very well to Arteta. Some of the players know the player in Arteta. You know, 
for example, Mesut Ozil's played with him. There's a bond that exists. Uh, Arteta's obviously younger and uh, definitely more fluid in English. I'm sure that's that's been a big factor uh, for him warming up to the players. And maybe there's a bit more respect because of what he's achieved at Man City. It's widely covered that Arteta was the one leading the training sessions. He was a very key part of Pep Guardiola's team. And um, dare I say, it shows, you know, in, in the first few weeks that we've seen Arteta in action, it shows. And the players have taken very well to that. I'm not surprised by it because when you come out of that bad relationship, then even a slightly better one feels quite a bit different. And there's obviously that honeymoon period that that new manager bounce. Let's see how we let's see how long we can sustain this. Uh, that's going to be a, a key indication of how truly well Arteta is suited to this job. But I have a funny feeling that he'll be around for a bit, and uh, I look forward to it. I definitely do. I, I can't remember. Did you want him 18 months ago? I did. I, I convinced yeah. myself yeah. that he was the right man for the job. Yeah. No, I thought you did, but I didn't want to say it and then be wrong because I'm never wrong. Um, <laughs> anyone else? Any answers on that? Changed any thoughts, feelings towards the club? Players? Nah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm good. Um, Goulson fan. Uh, do you think Wenduzi fits into Arteta's style of play? Should he be sold uh, in the summer, or is there time to mould him to a more defensive midfielder? I just don't think he fits in at all. I don't think he fits into, uh, well, you know, Arteta, Arsenal. I just don't think he's good enough. Um, for me, he needs to go out on loan, learn a, learn a few things, and then come back. I, I, I definitely don't think selling because there is something in there. But there's a player in him, but just at the moment, I just don't think there is. Yeah, I mean, just the only bit on the question I'm going to take up is, is there time to mould him into a more defensive midfielder? I'd go the other way. He's so bad defensively, I don't think he's ever going to get to, especially if you're you're priming him as a defensive midfielder, he's never going to get there. I I would go the other way and and basically try and get him to, to do what Xhaka does. Essentially, and he's got more energy, so he could. If you can get him to have the passing range and the speed of passing, then he can also dribble out of situations as well because he's quicker and that bit more energy. That's the the route I would go with him to fit into an Arteta team. I definitely wouldn't go more defensive just because there's you'd have to work on every aspect. He doesn't track a man. He can't tackle. His concentration is woeful. He, he runs around everywhere and where you want him to sit deep. So I think that would be my last option is trying to make him a defensive midfielder. And so I think I would do the, the one that's slightly in front. So at the moment, it's obviously Torreira with Xhaka a few yards in front. Tony, I, just try and, you know. just before you go on to the next question, with Gwen Doozy and uh, well, even Arteta, but mainly what I want to discuss is, we all, I thought his style was going to be very similar to Pep. Um, he worked under Pep for a few years at City, so... But I'm actually seeing improvement defensively. What what style do you, the last couple of games, what have you seen out of Arteta? He, he's put players closer together. And this is the, everyone knows I've been banging on about system since the day we started the podcast. He's made it so that if you make a mistake, there's someone within a few yards to cover you. So you're, you're not isolated. Like, I don't think once... I think most people would probably say David Luiz has been our best player since Arteta's come in. If not best, he's in the top three for 
pretty much everyone. I don't think once I've maybe Chelsea have I seen someone directly run one one on one with him. In the in the Emery era, two three times a game people were running one at one at him. You know that's not his strength. His strength, his his physical strength. He's quite good in the air and he's technically very good. So you don't want him one on one defending. You want okay, let him deal with crosses. He's good in the air. Let him barge people and get his body in the way because he's very strong. And that's what Arteta's done. He's kept them very tight, very compact. He's got the midfield sitting not too far in front of him. So to get a direct run at David Luiz, you have to beat Xhaka and Torreira. And by that time, we should have bodies around the ball. That's just, David Luiz is just one example, but he's done it all over the pitch. He's put them in places, in positions in the system that allows someone else to deal with their problems if they should arise. Mm-hmm. So he's fixed up. The, he's fixing up the defence with what he's got. So when you throw a Guendouzi into it, <laughs> where do you go? Well, this is my thing. You have to work with their skill set. As I said, Guendouzi never tracks a runner. So it gets to that point where if someone runs off Guendouzi and through, say, Louise and Socrates, if they're at centre-back, you kind of go, oh, it's kind of... Before, and this has happened earlier in the season, some people say, oh, it's Guendouzi's fault, he's let him go. Others will say, oh, where were the centre-backs? There's a guy who scored a tap-in in the six-yard box. Now that doesn't happen because, say, Jacques Rotterer goes with that man, clears it, and then there's no mistake to be spoken of. Guendouzi, I don't think, has the capability to learn that, to track runners. I don't think he has a concentration. Mm-hmm. So that's where I don't see him playing that role. But the system is vitally important. As I said, for me, it's the main thing in football. And that's all. I wouldn't even say he's implemented a, a fantastic system. He's just given us a system. We didn't have one. As I said earlier, when I gave Kolasinac the, the, my two points, the, the system with Lacazette dropping short, Aubameyang running in from the left to, to basically become the nine. Kolasinac bombing on because the fullback goes inside with Aubameyang, so now there's loads of space. And it then turns their right winger into a right back, and, and most right wingers don't want to do that. So Kolasinac gets the freedom of that left side of the pitch. That isn't a fantastic master plan. It's just a system that we've just not had. So it seems amazing because we're like, oh, fucking hell, they seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. Whereas before it was like they would just play in and, and if something happened, it happened. He's and when you've things. got good players, mm. sometimes things do happen. Right. Now, I, I kind of knew which way you are going to go down that path, so I just wanted to, to explain a little bit, that's all. Okay, continue. Uh, Romy, uh, I don't know if I've heard of Romy before. Uh, cheeky question, were you rooting at all for Spurs to beat Liverpool, be honest? Uh, quick answers we can go around everyone's time uh, I thought it was I thought it was a win-win um, I would I mean if Spurs win which is not what I would want um, then Liverpool's undefeated streak is over so I was like you know what I'll take it I'll take a win for them but in any other scenario I would want Liverpool to win for sure tell uh, Liverpool didn't bother me I wouldn't do two fives yet Fence 100% Tottenham victory, 100%. Tottenham victory, did you say? Yeah. I thought that's what you said. Controversial. Okay. Um, I, I, I wanted Liverpool to win. I was watching it with my mate who's a Tottenham fan as well, so it made it very easy for me to want Liverpool to win. Um, I, I wouldn't have been distraught if Tottenham won for the reasons mentioned. A draw was the worst result for us because it would have meant their run not in and Tottenham getting an extra point on us. Um but yeah, I was 
I, I was more than happy for Liverpool to win. I was a bit disappointed it was only 1-0. I thought if you're going to beat and beat them 7 or 8. Um, yeah, I think that's what I was more disappointed game. in, the 1-0. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Yeah. But the thing is, they actually looked quite good in the second half, which was disappointing. Um, Romy again. Pepe looked good on the left for some of the second half. Should we start him and Martinelli as natural wingers or keep them as inverted? Should Laka play centre-forward for all three games? Uh, I don't really care what one of you answers this, so someone jump in. Inverted, Lacazette striker. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also, I'm not, I don't particularly think he looked good on the left. He had that one shot. I'm not saying he looked bad, but he had that one shot that hit the post. Apart from that, I don't think he'd done anything. Um, I, I much prefer him on the right where he can go both ways. Um, and Lacazette has to play all three games. There's no... I can't. He's not going to use Martinelli to leave the line, and they're the only strikers. Obviously, John Jules has gone out on loan. It looks like I'm surprised Eddie hasn't gone already, but it looks like he will go. So Lacazette is literally well, Lacazette and Martinelli are the only two options. And if you play Martinelli, you've then got no one to play wide. You have to play Reese Nelson wide. The three games in a row, one of them at Stamford Bridge, doesn't look like the best idea. Uh, Sorry, I've just got to go to another thread because there was questions asked all over the place. Uh, Sorry. This is an organisation for you. Uh, Vishad, how will Arteta fill the void in front of goal without Aubameyang, especially since we have uh, Sheffield United and Chelsea as our next two games in the next nine days? Lack of goals can't finish off the few chances we create. Uh, Pepe, Ozil, Martinelli have not stepped up as as yet. I think we've kind of covered this. Um, had Torreira been on the pitch, would we have conceded that goal? Guendouzi has done an admirable job for a youngster, but he's still in the early stage of his development. Does the second half demonstrate why Edu should be scouting a strong, progressive central uh, defence midfielder like Fernandinho in his pride, Bruno Guimaraes, Thomas Partey, Bubakari Samari? Schwinn? Look, uh, I, I know I gave Torreira the, the three, uh, but we started, we started dropping off a bit at the end of the first half, didn't we? I mean, not even at the end of the first half, but shortly after scoring. So I, I don't want to put that goal on, on Guendouzi, especially because of the wicked deflection that, that led to it. And because you um, love said, and, and yeah, to an extent that, but... <laughs> That, that said, I did also say that we do need someone uh, to, to fill in and to come in uh, for Torreira. And Guendouzi is not going to be that guy. I think he needs to build up his defensive awareness, but he's not going to become a defensive midfielder. That's just not his instinct. And we'll be holding him back because he likes to you know, go free-roaming a little bit. That's just not his game. Now, Arteta could try and change that, but I think he'll be taking a lot more away uh, in terms of the player's characteristics and his instinct. We do need a defensive midfielder. I don't know much about the names mentioned. Uh, a couple of them stand out, but they are pretty uh, established, in my opinion. So I don't know how much they would uh, prefer playing a, a backup role. Edu should scout someone or whoever is around the club who's tasked with that. They should step in and, and, and look for options for Terrera. That's for sure. Yeah, I think the, the issue of the, the names listed, they're all sort of first team. They're not going to come and be second choice. And then then you probably lose Terrera if he's going to sit on the bench. Or if you play two of them, you lose the progressive passing. So it's a difficult one um, to know who comes in. And just to add, I don't blame Guendouzi at all for the goal I was messing about when you said because you love him. I, I don't think there's anything Torreira could have or would have done any differently. 
um, goals just a goal. Um, Sam touched on this earlier, and I thought I'd seen a question on it. Did Terraria uh, possibly unintentionally pissing off the crowd at a drop ball put us on the back foot and almost immediately it incensed the crowd and gave the Palace players motivation to up their game? was only a little thing, but Arsenal not giving Palace the ball back yesterday after it was put out for a break and play during the first half seems to completely change the atmosphere and the team's energy levels. A tiny spark of injustice put a spring in their step. Just because uh, I was going to say this earlier when Sam said it, but I remembered seeing a question on it. I I can't clearly remember what happened, um, but I remember thinking at the time that they did all moan about it, but I thought we had the ball when the ref blew up. So I was confused at why they expected to to get the ball back. From what I remember, and again, I've not seen it back, it was a bit sloppy and the ball was sort of bouncing around everywhere. But when the ref blew the whistle, it was at an it was bouncing towards an Arsenal player. I could be completely wrong, but that's, I remember thinking at the time, like, why are they, what are they moaning about, basically? Um, and if they did give a drop ball, the ref gives a drop ball to the team who should be in possession. They've changed it from the way it used to be of an uncontested drop ball. Um, so yeah, I was a bit confused on that. Maybe you guys have got more clarity, but I don't think that changed the game anyway. Uh, their fans weren't very good all game. They were loud when they scored. They shouted for VAR a couple of times, despite holding a banner saying we don't like VAR. But I, I don't think it was that. I think especially in the second half, they just they started pressing us. The first 25 minutes, they let us do whatever we wanted. I thought, I think they thought they had so many injuries that they would sit nine men behind the ball with only AU and and Zaha up and try and catch us on the break. And it just allowed Louise and Jacker all the time in the world and they were completely controlling the game. And then after maybe half an hour, they got a bit less defensive and they played with a normal back four with one holding midfielder and they actually tried to play us rather than just not lose. I think that was the only difference. But yeah, have I got that incident wrong with Torreira not giving the ball back? Because as I said, I don't remember it like that. I mean, I don't, I don't remember, to be honest. Uh, I remember the, the crowd... Uh, jeering Torreira for not giving them the, back the ball, but I don't remember when the the whistle was blown. Sam, obviously you bring it up earlier, so any <laughs> idea? Yeah, I think there was a, it was a scrap, and then I think we were clearing the ball out whenever the whistle was blowing. So I mean, we we did have possession. Um, I think the announcers on the TV also were like, "Yo, I think the crowd is the crowd is upset with Torreira for not giving the ball back to them, and Palace is upset." But um, like you said, I think. I mean, technically he didn't have to. <laughs> so I think he just did what he was supposed to and everyone got pissed about it. Yeah, as I said, I've seen a few people say it and I just obviously remembered it differently. Uh, Sushant's asked a question for Darren. I'm going to ask it anyway and see if any of us can answer it. Uh, do any of you think the lack of goal plus assist from our midfield is a problem for Arsenal in the Premier League? Ozil, zero goals, one assist. Sabayoff, zero goals, two assists. Gwendo and Xhaka, zero goals, one assist each. Torreira, one goal, zero assist. We've not replaced the goals and assists of Ramsey, Iwobi, and Mkhitaryan. For me, a huge problem. Uh, losing Ramsey was always going to be critical, um, especially as I said it last season. Joe Willock was the one that they think was to replace him. Criminal decision. You're losing 15, 20 goal involvements. Willock was never going to get that. I don't mind Joe Willock, I think he's a decent player, but he was never going to get what Ramsey got. Iwobi and Mickey, a lot of people criticise them, probably including me. And their goal, they didn't have a lot of goal involvement, so it should have been easy to replace, but we just didn't. We didn't do anything. Um, I think we hoped that 
Pepe would come and get 30 goal involvements, Aubameyang would get 30, and Lacazette would get 20 to 25 with goals and assists. And at the moment, it's just not worked like that. I think Aubameyang's probably got 20, Lacazette maybe 10, and, and, and Pepe probably 6 or 7, and that's only because his set-piece delivery has been so good. I think it is a problem, but I don't really know how they solve it. Anything to add? Uh, I, d- I do think if I think it's hurting us big time, and I think we're going to see that over the next three games is how much we miss Abba. Um, but I think if anyone can come in and make a big difference with the goals or assists, I think it is Sabios. Um, but here's to hoping that he, that he can do that. Tell been quiet. Yeah, just listen. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how to fix it. That's why I didn't add much. I can't, I can't add much on what you talked about. Look, Martinelli, obviously, and Sabias, they're the type of the only two that are going to add anything. But will they add anything? So, Yeah, as I said, for me, I think the issue is unless Aubameyang's been playing there, we've had nothing from the left wing and in terms of anyone else. Pepe's not delivered the numbers we we was hoping for and the Ozil hasn't been there the whole time but even in the time he has there you'd expect more higher numbers from him fullbacks haven't really provided much it's it's difficult but then I think the, we scored so little goals that the assist numbers are kind of prove a point in that I don't mean to get on Lacazette's back but had he scored even 50% of the chances that we think he should have scored then obviously your assist numbers go up massively because there's more goals. Mm, no, that, that's what I was type of thinking. Are we, are we looking at one player to blame? Because, look, how many times do we jump on here and say Lacazette, you know, missed a couple of good chances today? Um, so, you know, we're thinking that that's why the numbers are down. I don't know. Like, somebody do the I stats think, on I don't, I don't think it's purely Lacazette. Mm. I no, I, I don't either, but I'm just wondering whether that's what uh, a player, you know, some might say is or like, he hasn't been up to scratch on his assists like he was a few years back. It's, I don't know, or it's a system or, or one or two players, I don't know. It's a lot of rotation as well, isn't it? I mean, under Emery, we sort of kept changing, chopping in, you know, just, just making so many changes on a week-in, week-out basis that even if you look at the minutes played this season, I think they'll be a little lower than, than we uh, would typically expect from a starting 11, so to say. So that yeah, I think I read either. before yesterday that Pepe only just crossed 1,000 minutes, which surprised me. Because it, it turned out that his goals and assists were actually wasn't per minute was quite good. Um, even though it's, it was a low number, it was like five or six, but mm. per minute was actually semi-decent. So, but then do you look at Pepe and say, well, he, he hasn't really been in form since he's been at Arsenal. So, uh, you know, $80 million player who hasn't offered you a lot. So, you know, you get down that route as well. Lacazette, but then how much you know, of that do you do you put on Emery? How much of that do you put on, That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, lack of a system, changing uh, things week in, week out? I mean, it's it's really difficult to sort of pinpoint the exact reason. It's, as is the case usually, a combination of factors. I think if we sort of uh, divide the season into two halves and look from here on out, when it seems like Arteta has a grasp on his starting 11, uh, maybe halfway into March, we can sort of reassess what the numbers look like uh, under Arteta. Uh, I think the sample space would be good enough by that side, uh, by that time. And then maybe, you know, we can sort of evaluate some of these players a bit more accurately. What, what I will say with Pepe 
it's maybe controversial. He is the best corner taker I think we've ever had, like in my time of watching Arsenal we've ever had. And yeah, those I, near post balls fizzed in are, are killer, aren't they? And as well, I think he's been like you look at you say his numbers are low, or I say his numbers are low, but the amount of times we scored from like the second ball from a corner is ridiculous. But obviously Socrates got one against United. Uh, there was a two in earlier in the season, the couple of games, and like that delivery is just it's fucking crazy. Louise yesterday obviously but hit the roof of the net. We should try and get more corners. That should be our that should be our game plan. Um, Sushan just pictured every time they said AU made a foul, which was seven or eight, and said, "How is this allowed to happen?" I don't know, but it was probably somewhere somewhere praising it. So, and uh, again, what I will say is that Lacazette makes nearly as many every game, and we praise it rightly. So we can't go all on our high horse when other teams do it against us. The ref should do something about it. But when he doesn't, I use doing the right thing and carrying on fouling until they stop him, basically. Um, and again, people saying he should have been sent off. Again, it's consequential. If he gets booked early on, then he doesn't make the tackles later on. Um, who's this? Sushant. Pepe needs to take far less touches now that the structure around him is significantly better. Don't know if he feels he needs to prove that he's a good player or something because of all the criticism. Forget all that. Stop getting carried away. Focus on one-touch play. I, I bought this That's up. That's a bit unfair. Yeah, look, I was talking to somebody about this, and and I thought I thought he holds onto the ball a little bit too much, but apparently that's what he did at in France. So that's the way he's always played. I, yeah, I mean, oh, he's, personally, he's a runner, isn't he? Yeah, I, I completely disagree with the question. I, if you've got him playing one touch football, I don't want him on the pitch. Frankly, like the only time he should ever take one touch is when he's delivering a corner. Well, how often? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, you know, run and run and. No, because you want him to run and commit a fullback. You wouldn't get Will Zaha and say, "Oh, just play one-touch football." It's a complete waste of what they're good at. Get the ball and go at your defender. Go at him every time. If you lose it five times, beat him the sixth time and get a cross in it or get a shot in, and we score from it. You've got to accept that that's the type of player. People, I've rated him for a long time, but people are going crazy over how well Adama Traore is playing this season, and he's now a £90 million player. He has 100 touches every time he gets the ball. He gets the ball, gets his head down, and runs at someone. That is what you want from these type of players. You don't, if you, you don't want him to be playing one-touch football. It's lunacy. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. Schwinn touched on it earlier, and I was quite glad he did. When uh, Pepe, he absolutely done Kale. And he overran it. And it was poor to overrun it. But the decision wasn't a bad one. He'd done the right thing and he didn't do it well enough. But I, I didn't mind it. He absolutely pissed KO. And if he doesn't overrun it, we score. Maybe score. I haven't got a crystal ball. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't mind it. Like For me, get, the, get your head down. Go at the player every time. Yeah, I mean, that puts so much fear in defenders. Not, not just the one right now, but... You know, every defender is going to be worried. They'll step off uh, a step or two, and and they'll know you pose a threat. I mean, obviously these players have scouting reports and they know what you're good at and what you sort of struggle with. But when you see it happening to a teammate, you know that puts the fear of God in you to an extent. Uh, we have players who can play that that tidy football and 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 get out of situations. And to be fair, Pepe is one of those players. But I think maybe this question is a bit reminiscent of the Arsene Wenger era when we were really really good at just uh, dancing around the opposition. But we moved on from that, and then there's a different brand of football being installed. And I definitely want to play to each player's strengths in given situations. Like tiki-taka football, for lack of a better term, 
is not suited to everyone. It's not made for him, in my opinion, either. Yeah, I don't think it's made for many of our players either, to be honest, um, our current players. I, I actually said to my friend during the game yesterday after about, I think it was before we even went 1-0 up, we just have to accept with Pepe that he is going to lose the ball quite often. But you've got to get behind him. Like, keep going at your man, keep going at your man. And as I said earlier, when you beat him, make, make it count when you do beat him. You said you might run it in three times and lose the ball, but as long as you're losing it in the right positions on the edge of the area when you're running at a man and there's no easy option, that's fine. I think we have to accept that as a fan base and not get on his back because he lost the ball once or twice. As I said, like Adama, Zaha, anyone else that you maintain, Sane, I know he's not been fit this season. They all lose the ball quite often, but you don't see it because when you watch Match of the Day, they showed the time he beat the man, got the cross in and scored, or beat the man, got the shot in and it hit the post. That, that's how these wingers play. They're not going to be a 100% success rate because it's a risky game. It's a hard thing to do running at a good defender and beating them. But you just have to stick by them when they do lose the ball and, and encourage them. Go again, go again, go again, keep going. And, and just make it count when you do eventually beat them. Um, Sushan again. Uh, what he liked about the team that it did not self-destruct after the red card. After the red card, we had four shots with an XG of... 0.8 to 1, depending on which uh, model you follow. Pepe one, uh, Pepe 1 was the one which really hurt, and how Laka could not finish that rebound. Obviously, we touched on the rebound earlier. Schwinn, do you want to talk about XG for some unknown reason? Nah, not XG, but I have to say, I mean, the team looked good. Um, I was, I sort of just reserved, you know, my judgment for the rest of the game. I was sitting back, expecting us to concede or expecting us to give a penalty, as is usually the case with against Palace, but I, I think I think they were better to an extent. Um, not quite sure why that was the case, especially when you lose someone like Aubameyang, who is obviously our, our, our most important player in the squad. But uh, I'm a big fan of Martinelli. I, I think he's proven himself to be uh, worth the hype, and I was hoping maybe th- there could be something that, that can come up with him being introduced, but we, we looked good. We looked solid. There seemed to be a plan for a change and not just a haphazard change. It seems like Arteta has spoken to the players that if this ends up happening in a game, this is how we change things around. This is the structure we maintain. And you, you need that sort of con- contingency plan um, you know, from the get-go. Uh, helps uh, keep clarity of the situation as to what to do in that case. We look good. We, look, we looked a bit dangerous. We looked more dangerous than Palace, to your point, Johnny, earlier. And um, on the right track. Yeah, I mean, I think he's put it right. What he liked is that we didn't self-destruct after a red card. And I think, if we're honest, probably all of us were watching that fully expecting us to fall apart. And and, and we didn't at all. Um, and as I said earlier, I expect us to park the bus, go long, chase the ball into corners and try and get out the field. We actually carried on playing and, and as you said, done it well. Well, this is, the, this is the change, though, Tony. Like, this is, you know, if it was an Emery, we, we would do... You know, we would drop our bundle and probably concede, but... Um, no, 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 tell you can't say that. You ain't got a crystal ball, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, uh, and, well, this is what Arteta has done. He, he's he's changed the player's mentality. And, and we're in we're in different territory here. Like, you know, we haven't never had a manager sacked mid-season like we have. Well, we probably have to go back through the history books, but not, not like... You know, it hasn't happened in my time with that Wenger. Now we've, we've, you know, Emery came in, sacked mid-season. We're in territory that is unknown. So, um, 
you know, and this is the influence that Arteta's had on the players for me, and this is why I like what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Next question, Sushant again. Was well, not really a question. Uh, in Pepe, we have a wonderful player, but he's not yet a finished product. I'd agree with that. Any anyone not agree? Uh, uh, go on. I'm pretty ingrained with that. Yeah, and finally, uh, it's a picture of Aubameyang's and a picture of Robertson says, "What's the difference in these two challenges? Remember, play uh, the player winning the ball is irrelevant in a red card decision." We've covered that earlier. I, I think Robertson's was worse, and it, it wasn't even given as a free kick. Right. And I said it as it because obviously because a foul wasn't given, it carried on playing on. And as soon as it happened, me and my mates, I was watching it in the pub, and we all went sort of like, you know, that kind of breathing in sound you make when there's a bad tackle for some reason. And I said straight away, seeing it from one angle at real speed, I went, I said red card. And then they showed the replay and everyone was like, how have they not even gone back and looked at that? So it's not me just saying it after seeing it. The moment it happened, I said red card. And yeah. Yeah, I agree agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think that's it for questions, unless any of you know of something... I've missed. Uh, do you cover the water? Yes, that was the last few, the last eight okay. or so were on. <laughs> yep, yep. No worries. No, that's all good. Um, okay, we've got game next week, Sheffield United. Um, you guys can, I won't be on that one, but you can get your questions at clockin underscore talk um, on Twitter. Usually pop up after the game, uh, hour, a couple of hours afterwards or not. Um, yeah, and that's about it, mate. I'm good. You boys good? Covered it all? Yep. Yep. Uh, Schwinn, you going to make an appearance for the next week or what? Uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. He's going to be watching Love Island. <laughs> He's going to try. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> right, you've been listening to the Clock End Talk. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll speak to you all next week. Goodbye and good night. See ya. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here?